We hope you enjoy this message recorded at Equipus Church in Eden. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com. Um, well, welcome to church. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Nicole, and I'm... Um, I'm very privileged and very honoured to speak with you tonight. Um, It's not something that I take lightly, and so before I start, I'm just going to pray. Um, Lord God, I thank you uh, for tonight. I thank you, mighty God, that that you um, have... Here, I thank you, God, that you love us. I thank you that you call us. I thank you that um, that you are just with us in everything. And mighty God, I just acknowledge my need of you right now. Lord God, I acknowledge that I need you in every part of my life. And Lord God, I just pray right now that you'll speak through me, that my words will hit the floor and your words will hit the hearts, Lord God. Amen. Oh, well, um, as I've been preparing for this message, um, it was a little bit strange. Sometimes God um, gives me really strange things to kind of start talking on. And, um, and I have been thinking about frogs lately. So um, anybody else been thinking about frogs lately? <laughs> no, yeah, I didn't think you would be. Oh, yeah, I know. Thanks for having my back on that one. Um, <laughs> so I didn't think that you would have been thinking about frogs lately. But, but recently I was um, back up in, in Maston visiting my family and my family lived um, in the country. They've just moved into town. But when they were living in the country, um, I was heading home to the farm and was driving along and there was like these frogs just jumping like across the road. And I was like, that is so strange, but also so interesting. And then it got me thinking and um, <laughs> got me thinking about frogs and, and strange things that you see. And then I, I was reminded that, that as a child, I actually always wanted a pet frog. Um, Yes, I know, I know, I was a strange child, um, and I wanted, a, uh, like now if you were to put a frog anywhere near me, I'd be like, running in the opposite direction, but, um, but, but I, did, um, I did always want a frog as a child, and, and we lived on farms, and so we would always have um, rivers or creeks um, around on the farm, and so what we would do is, um, obviously frogs are quite hard to catch, so we would like, right, we'll go get tadpoles and we'll grow our own frog. And, um, and so we would head on down to the river or wherever it was we were going and, and we'd take our ice cream containers and we would get the tadpoles and then we'd bring them up and be really excited to show mum our new tadpoles because we were going to get frogs. And mum would be like, not in my house, get. And uh, so we would go back down to the creek and let our tadpoles go. And so I never got a frog. Um, and so I never, uh, I always as a child, like I believed in fairy tales and I believed in Prince Charming. Um, and so um, I wanted a frog and I, I never had one. Yeah, you can laugh at that one. Um, and, um, and, and anyway, so mum would make us um, put the frogs back and, and um, yes. But now if you show me a frog, I'm totally grossed out. And I've got a photo of my nephew um, and he's got a frog on his shoulder. Um, yeah. Okay, so he like tormented me with this thing. And, um, and he was like, look at my frog, look at my frog. And I'm like, ooh, gross, get it away from me. They're slimy, they're fast, they're unpredictable. They jump way too quickly and way too far for my liking. And so if I was to see one right now, I would be playing The Floor is Lava and I'd be gone. Like, <laughs> you know, and, and it's like, I would be off. And so my, my nephew tormented me with this little frog. And then we were in Sweden and he found um, big toads. It just sat by the back door, tormented me for about a week, and, um, and it was huge, right? It was like the size of my head, it's possibly a slight exaggeration, but, you know, fit it on my hand, and it had the big throat that, like, came out, and was like, ribbit, ribbit, and I was like, ooh, 
so gross. And, um, and, and so um, I won't be kissing a frog anytime soon because they are disgusting. And, um, and you're welcome. Um, and anyway, so Tyrone would chase me. So Tyrone's my nephew. He'd chase me with his frog around all the, all the place. And, and it was, he had great enjoyment out of it. And I was like, if I catch you without that frog, I will waste you. Like, seriously, child. He is now officially taller than me and I probably can't hurt him because he's probably stronger than me. He's uh, 12 and he's a giant. Um, <laughs> he's pretty awesome though. But you probably, some of you might be sitting there thinking like, uh, Nicole, why are you talking about frogs? And... I'll get there. So I've been reading in Exodus lately and, and about the plagues, and this one plague struck a chord with me. And some of you in the room are like, ah, I know where she's going. I see the connection. Um, so Exodus 8 is the plague of the frogs. And so I just wanted you to start thinking about frogs. I wanted you to start thinking about what it would be like to touch a frog or to be near a frog, you know, because uh, in Dunedin we don't see that many frogs. Praise the Lord. And, um, <laughs> and so um, most of us uh, know the story of Exodus 8, but just a quick recap for those of us who, who are not quite familiar with it. Um, so Moses was sent to um, save his people, the Israelites, from Pharaoh. Pharaoh was the king of Egypt. Um, and the Israelites were the slaves in the land at the time. And then um, Moses went to Pharaoh nine times. So there was nine plagues that, that happened um, in and this one, this one I'm talking about right now, was the second one. It was the second plague, um, and it was the plague of the frogs. So Moses, he went to Pharaoh and was like, hey, Pharaoh, um, so I've heard from God. You need to let my people go. And, and Moses was like, oh, yeah. And, uh, and then, and then Pharaoh, uh, Moses was like, if you don't let my people go, there will be a plague of frogs upon your land. They will be everywhere. You need to let my people go. And um, Pharaoh was like, yeah. Nah, I'm not going to let your people go. Um, and so Moses was like, yeah, all right, here we go. The frogs started coming. And the frogs were literally everywhere, everywhere. And then Pharaoh got his magicians to, to bring up some more frogs, just in case they didn't have enough frogs. He was like, come on, let's get some more up here. And then, and then they had um, frogs everywhere. So just imagine this for a moment. I've got another photo for you of frogs. Oh, it might not work, but it's got lots of toads and lots of, oh yeah, okay. So imagine this, frogs everywhere, okay? So you've got frogs in your house, <laughs> you've got frogs in your kitchen, you've got frogs in your dishwasher, you've got frogs in your cups, you've got frogs in your glasses, in your bowls, in your oven, like in the toilet, you've got frogs in your cutlery drawer, you'd open that up and then they'd jump out at you, and you've got frogs on your couch, you've got frogs on your floor, so you'd be like walking along trying to like, you know, stand on these things, they'd be crunching under your feet. Yeah, right? We're all with me on this one? All right. And so, and then you've got frogs in your bed. All right. So you're jumping into bed at night time. You're just like, you'd probably clear your bed first, hopefully. And then you get in and they'll just start jumping on. Imagine that. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. Slimy little things. Ugh. I don't do slimy things. And slimy things in my bed, No. And so, um, and so I was doing some research on this, and it was roughly two weeks. Um, different commentaries say different things. And so but what I found was that they, they weren't 100% sure on the timeline, but, but somebody said that it was probably rough, roughly about two weeks. Two weeks that they lived with these frogs. So two weeks of sleeping with these things in your bed. Imagine that. Okay. Yeah. Okay, and so in Exodus 8, verse 8 to 11, it says this. 
Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and begged, plead with the Lord to take the frogs away from me and my people. I will let your people go so they can offer sacrifices to the Lord. You set the time, Moses replied. Tell me when you want me to pray for you and your officials and your people. Then you and your houses will be rid of the frogs. They will remain only in the Nile River. Do it tomorrow, Pharaoh replied. (laughs) All right, Moses said, it will be as you have said. Then you will know that there is no one like the Lord our God. The frogs will leave you and your houses of your officials and your people. They will only remain in the Nile. That's how I was reading this. And I was like, but why tomorrow? Do it tomorrow. Like, did you enjoy sleeping with your frogs? You were like, hold on, don't take them just yet. They're my friends now. It's like my teddy bear. I want to sleep with it for another night. Like, I don't know about you, but I would be like, now, right now, right now. Do I have this option? But no, he, he was like, oh, just do it tomorrow. And I'm like, but you begged. You literally said you begged. Moses to get rid of them, and then you're like, hold on a minute, just do it tomorrow. I don't know about you, but I think that's a little bit strange. And so I was like, I was, I was like, God, why? Because it doesn't say it in here. I looked. And, and, then, and then I was just like, God, why? Why would Pharaoh want to sleep with the frogs for another night? Why would he want frogs in his bed, frogs everywhere? I don't know. I did a little bit of research on frogs as well. Because, yes. And, um, and so I also learned that they, they carry salmonella, so which is like, you know, food poisoning. So you're, you're eating your food. You, you, your people are getting sick. And you're like, hold on. I actually really like my new cuddle buddies. I want to keep them for another night. And so I was like, God, why? And so I did some research. I read quite a lot of commentaries on this. And this is what I found out. And I was like mind blown by this. Okay, so here we go. He hoped that he wouldn't need God's intervention. He hoped that they would go away themselves and then he would be clear of the plague without being obliged to God or Moses. So pretty much he was like, if I can just do it myself, I don't have to acknowledge my need of God. I won't have to keep my promise. How often do we put things off to tomorrow that God wants to deal with today? Yes. How often do we sleep with the frogs? How often are we like, hold, hold on, God, I actually really, like, I'm going to clean this up. Just let me sleep with this for a little bit longer, okay? All right, I'll come to you when it's real, real bad. I don't know about you, but I think my entire bed covered in frogs would be real, real bad. And, um, and so there's... <laughs> There is something that that God has highlighted that that he may want to deal with today. There's something that he's highlighted in hearts that he's like, come on, I just want to set you free from this. There's something that God is like, come on, you're sleeping with frogs and I died for more than that. And so... Jesus paid the price so that we could be set free. In John 8, 36, it says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. There's a promise of freedom, yet we still go to bed with the frogs. And this is where I got to with God on this one. It's the pride that stops us. It's pride that stops us from dealing with the things that God is highlighting. For Pharaoh, it was pride. He hardened his heart. He had nine times to, chances to repent. Nine times there were different plagues and every time his heart got harder. Nine times he could have said, you know what, I believe that your God is real here. Your people can be set free. But no one said, he, he was like, no, I'm just not going to. And for me, it was pride. Um, for, for me, I... 
It stopped me from getting off the fence and getting in the game. For, for, for me, it was pride that, that I didn't want to acknowledge that my need of God because I didn't want to acknowledge that actually my life wasn't all that in a bag of chips. And I didn't want to acknowledge that I needed God to direct my life. So in 2012, um, I was at a shout conference and, um, and I can't even tell you why I was there. I just was there because somebody took me. And I was at a shout conference and, and, and in one of the night sessions, they did an altar call and I was like, oh my goodness, I need to give my life to God. I need to, I need to say yes to this. And so I, 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 I went down the front and I gave my life, but it was two years. Two years of issues, two years of putting it off to tomorrow, two years of being like, I'll clean it up and then I'll bring it to you once it's a little bit more manageable, God. Two years of like, hold on, I don't want to acknowledge that I'm carrying this. Like, I'll just, I'll just fix it a little bit and then when I've got it under control, I'll bring it to you. And, and it was two years until one moment. And it was in that one moment, two years later, that I was lying in my bed and God was like, you need to get off the fence. And I was like... Oh yeah, I'll do that tomorrow. And God was like, you've been saying that for two years. Go do it now. And so at 2.30 2 in the morning, I did. I got up, I got out of bed, I went and did what God asked me to do. And then I got back into bed and I went to sleep. And I can tell you my life has never been the same since. From that moment, my life has never been the same since. There's another guy in the Bible. His name is King David. He also had pride to deal with, but his was, his, his, the way he dealt with his pride was a little bit different than Pharaoh's. The way that he dealt with his pride, yes, he went through some stuff. We'll talk about it in a minute. And then he, he dealt with it. And so um, King David was anointed as a, at a young age to be king. And then he became king. He had an army that was winning. He had armies that were... Um, they were, they were taking land, taking ground. And then he, um, he was in, chapter, in 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12. I don't have this because it's 11 and 12. We don't have long enough to read it all. And so, um, so King David was anointed, but he got to the point where he was like, you know what, I've made it now. I have made it. I am king. I've got armies that are taking out land everywhere. They are moving forward. We're advancing this kingdom. I have made it. You know what? I'm actually just not going to go to war today. I'm going to stay here in my kingdom. And so he did. And this is where it all goes a little bit skew-if. Um, he sees Bathsheba. Bathsheba's bath bathing on a rooftop or something um, somewhere over here. And she's a married woman. And actually, her husband is one of the, uh, the, the, the guys who is out on fighting the war. He's, he's one of the, the army um, commanders. And, and anyway, he sees Bathsheba and he lusts after her. And so what he does is he calls her into his palace because he's like, you know, who's going to stop me? Nobody. Nobody's going to stop me. They're all out at war currently. Um, so I'll, I'll get her in here. And so then what he does with his, he sleeps with her and then she gets pregnant. This was not the point in which he was like, oh no, I've made a mistake. This was the point in which he was like, you know what? I'm going to clean this up and then maybe I'll take it to God once I've got it under control. And so what he does is he, he, um, he gets uh, Bathsheba's husband to come back and um, Bathsheba's husband comes back, but he won't go and see his wife. He's like, if my men are all out there fighting the war, I'm not going to go see my wife. I'm going to stay here and then I'll go back. And, um, and so then what King David does is he's like, I've got a bright idea. If the dude's not going to go and see his wife, I'll just send him to the front line and get him killed. That will solve the problem. 
So he does that, and he sends this poor man off to the front line, and he gets him killed just to cover up some other sin. He sins to cover up some other sin. So there's lust, there's sin, and then he seeks to hide sin by committing more sin. It's too big of an issue at this point. It's too big. He's dug himself too big of a hole. He's actually like, I've been trying to cover this up. I've been trying to fix this, but I think that I'm in more trouble than I probably should be. And so then what he does is, is, um, is a prophet comes to him and says, hey, you know what? The Lord has seen what you've been up to. The Lord is saying this to me, and I mean, this prophet must have been really brave to go to this king and say this, because I don't know. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I probably wouldn't want to. Um, Anyway, and King David does in this moment, he repents. He says, oh my goodness, you're so right. I'm so sorry. He says, oh my gosh, God help me. God save me. And in that moment, he repents. And so we've got Pharaoh who goes nine times of being like, actually, nah, don't worry about it. Those people are my slaves. You can't have them. And then there's King David who's like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. So we get stuck in our ways if we're like Pharaoh. We can get stuck in our ways. Our hearts can get harder. And then we align ourselves with people who agree with us. So who's in your corner matters in these moments. Who's speaking into your life matters in these moments. Pharaoh had magicians. He had guys that could, that could uh, bring up more frogs. I don't know about you, but I think that that makes the matters worse because there was already enough frogs. They were already in his bed. But the the magicians were like, hey, I can make some more of these. Look, see, that God, he's not actually real. It's just magic. They didn't make the frogs go away. And so then they supported Pharaoh and they made him believe that he was right. they They were people with a worldview. They were people that were like, actually... This is, this is like, it's not actually God. So, so don't worry, you don't actually need God. You don't need to let these people go. So who's in your corner matters. I had people that supported me. I had people that were saying, do you really need to give that up? It wasn't a problem for you, remember? It's, it's not, it's there to make you feel better. It takes away the pain, remember? And then, the, but I also had people speaking truth. I had people saying to me that that robs you of your joy. That robs you of your destiny. That robs you of everything God has called you to be. And so who are you listening to? King David had a prophet who spoke the truth to him that led him to his repentance. Who's in your corner with the godly counsel? Who are you being like, hey, you know, um, I've, I've just, just met this new person. I think they're really great. They actually don't go to church or anything, but I can totally get them saved. Let me tell you that's not gonna work. All right, so who have you got in your corner that's going, oh my gosh, let me see your Facebook. I wanna stalk him with you. Or who's in your corner saying, that ain't gonna work. That ain't gonna work. This is just a, um, it's just one thing that popped into my mind. It's all relatable, right? And, um, <laughs> and then, and, but who's in your corner? Proverbs 12, 15 says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But a wise man is he who listens to counsel. Have you convinced yourself you're right yet? Because if you have, you're not listening to the right people. 
Who's in your corner? Have you got a mentor? Pastor Desiree always speaks about a mentor, somebody who can actually pull you up on things, who can see things in your life and be like, hold on a minute, you're going down the wrong path here. I think you should be over here. You shouldn't be over here. What are you doing? I need to help you see the truth here. Who's in your corner who's speaking into your life? If you haven't got a mentor, I would suggest getting one. Um, The next thing is an e-group leader. And if you're like, well, I don't have one of those either. Why not? We've got plenty. Um... (laughs) But, you know, like actually, um, it it might be a joke to some of you, but if you're not in an e-group, what are you doing? It is how we get connected. It's how we stay in community. And it is how God speaks to us in another way. It's it's a way that keeps us in line. It keeps us in check. It's somebody who's actually of godly counsel. Like your friends are great, but your friends aren't gonna always pull you up when it matters. I've got friends in my world that will. But we don't all have friends in our world that will pull us up when it matters. So do we have somebody who's speaking into our lives? Do we have somebody who's speaking into our corner who is of godly counsel? Somebody who's a little bit further along the path than you. Somebody who's actually walked a little bit further, journeyed a little bit further, who's seen a little bit more. Because at the end of the day, like, We want this to be a lifetime journey. We don't want you taken out just because you didn't have the right people around you. That's like the silliest reason to be taken out because there's people in this church, there's people in this community that want to walk with you. They want to champion you, but you've got to want it first. You've got to put yourself in community. Who's speaking into your life? So Pharaoh had nine chances to deal with his pride, nine chances to repent, And every time his heart got harder, every time he listened to worldly counsel, Pharaoh's pride ultimately led to the death of all the firstborn children. It led to his death. It led to the death of his armies. Man, who's following you? But more than that, what's leading you and where is it leading you to? I pray that the Holy Spirit is leading you to the feet of Jesus. I pray that the people around you are showing you that this is the way to go. Come with me. Let's journey. Let's walk. Let's, let's, let's go to God on this one. I might not have all the answers, but I can pray with you. I might not have all the answers, but you know what? Let's pray about it. Yeah. Let's pray about it. Let's get the right counsel around us. Like I've got some pretty great friends and um, I have moments often and, um, and I like just ugly cry quite often. And, um, and those friends of mine are laughing because they know it's true. Um, but in those moments, they're the ones that are like, hey, I don't know what's going on right now, but I can help pray with you. I can help be with you in this moment. I can speak into your life a little bit of truth. You know, like sometimes my mind is just going off on some tangents and I've got friends that come in and are like, that is not the truth. Last week, this is what you were saying and this is the truth. This is what you heard from God. This is what you heard from God. Let's not let our emotions drive us in this moment. Let's go back to the truth of what God said in this moment and let's come on, let's get it back to where it needs to be. Get it into alignment. So who's speaking into your life? In Exodus 8, 13 to 15, it says this. And the Lord did just what Moses had predicted. The frogs in the houses and the courtyards and the fields all died. The Egyptians piled them up into great heaps and a terrible stench filled the land. 
But when Pharaoh saw that relief had come, he became stubborn and he refused to listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had predicted. Dead frogs stink. They didn't just disappear. They just, they didn't just disappear. That they had to pile them up. So once they died in their beds, they had to take them outside, throw them into heaps, and then they had to deal with that stink for the next few weeks. So pride stinks. Everyone else has to deal with it. Our reactions lead. Um, our reactions lead by pride stink. And our words led by pride stink. And everybody else around us has to deal with it. Pharaoh's pride led to the death of all of the firstborns himself and his army. David's led to repentance and forgiveness. So there is hope. There is hope in this story, people. (laughs) For me, it led to repentance and forgiveness, and then it led to freedom. For for David, it, it led to repentance, forgiveness, and freedom. For Pharaoh, not so much. He never quite got there. James 4 verse 6 says this, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. James 4.10 says, Humble yourself before the Lord and He will give you a lift you up in honour. 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and restore their land. Humble, forgive, restore. Humble yourself. He will forgive you and then He will restore it to you. So humble ourselves. It may hurt our pride. In fact, it will. Because me, uh, more recently, um, I also had a moment of, of uh, a more recent moment of being proud. And, um, and it wasn't pretty. It did stink. And I'm really sorry for everybody that got to see it. Because at the moment that I got to this point where I was like, oh, you know what? Actually, um, I've got this a little bit figured out now. I know what I'm up to. Um, I think I've got it, God. I'm pretty capable now. Thank you. Thank you. Who knows that that is the moment that I fell. (laughs) That is the moment that my knees hit the ground and I was like, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. God, I need you. I need you in every area of my life. It was in that moment that one of my friends came and prayed with me and they were like, I don't know what's going on, but, but I'm just gonna say that this is what you said to me a few weeks ago. And I was like, oh my goodness. And I, uh, like, I full-blown ugly cried for a good three hours. And then, (laughs) and then I went to my Bible (laughs) and I prayed and I was like, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. God, forgive me. God, forgive me. Because I know that everything my hands touch will prosper. I know that that is the promise on my life. But in that moment, I was feeling like a failure. I was feeling confused. I was feeling exhausted. And I was feeling like... Like, like I wanted to leave. I was feeling like, actually, I'm not called to this. Nothing's going the way it's supposed to be going. Nothing's growing. Why is it not happening? And God was like, do you think you might be a bit capable? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it was in that moment that I 
was like, oh my gosh, intimidation got in. Pastor Desiree does a phenomenal message on intimidation. But intimidation got in because my, my pride got in the way. Intimidation come t- came to take me out because, you know what, I was like, oh, I've got this. I've got this. And God was like, no, you don't. <laughs> and and uh, it was a good reminder, people. <laughs> it hurt, but it was good. And when God asked me to speak this message, I was like, ah, no, I don't want to. I don't want to tell everybody this. <laughs> and God was like, yeah, let your pride get in the way then. And I was like, nah. So I've been wrestling with this message for actually like three weeks. But um, but I know that God wants to remove some frogs from our beds. So if we will humble ourselves, if we bring it to God, He will come and do something. He will forgive you of whatever it is, and He will move. Um, Raquel, can I have the keys, please? Thanks. Um, and actually, maybe the whole team could come up. That'd be great. Um, but God wants to remove some frogs from our beds. Bring it to Him. All the mess, all the hurt, all the areas that you believe are too impossible for God to solve. Bring it to Him and watch what He does. Let's not try and fix it ourselves before it's more manageable to bring it to God. Like, I've got it all sorted. God, here you go. All you need to do is just like, just forgive me of it because I've fixed it. No, bring it to a mess and all. Bring it to him hurt and all. Bring it to him, whatever it might be, wherever it is hurting, bring it to God. Because what God has been asking for, what is he, he's been trying to tell you that you're hiding from him, he wants to touch it tonight. He wants to break it off. He wants to break it off. But you know what? It takes a little bit of, of us to going, ah, oh, you know what? God, I'm a little bit prideful. I might just need to lay that at your feet. I might actually just need to, to move myself towards your cross. So I don't know what it might be. There's, there's many things. I listed a couple here. There's, there's sin. Could be a sin that you're like, for me, when I first came into church, I had lived two lives. And so I had like the sin that, that nobody at church knew about. And then I had my like Christian life. And so I was living over here during the week and then over here on a Sunday. And then... There was that, and that was my moment that I actually had to, the first time I had to deal with my pride, the first time that I couldn't actually fix everything I wanted to fix over here before I said, you know what, God, I give you my life. Mess and all, here I am, fix it. <laughs> and, or it could be your speech. It could be something that you've been letting slip come out of your mouth and God's going, hey, come on, that's not, that's not the way I created you. That's not the words I want you to speak. Those are not words of life. Those are not words that are doing anything but tearing you and the people around you down. It could be a heart issue. He might be dealing with something with your character because who knows, that hurts. That's never fun, but it's always good on the other side. There could, be, there could be something to do with your confidence. Are you too confident? Are you too, too capable? Are you too familiar with the presence of God? That you come into this place and you're like, oh yeah, the band's doing their thing. And I'm just like, <laughs> God's not moving in this place anymore. I'm saying this out of like, I've been here, people, all right? <laughs> like, okay, don't judge me because God has forgiven me. And, but the thing is that we have to repent. We actually have to be like, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry because I know that on the other side of me saying, I'm so sorry, here's my mess, God, fix it. 
I know that there has been moments in my life, there's been things that have happened that I can't explain. There's places that I've gotten to stand. There's people I've gotten to speak with. There's people I've gotten to pray with. There is, there's moments of correction that I've been able to say, hold on a minute, that's not what you, that's not your life. That's not your lot. What are you doing? Come on. God died for more than that. Because I have been in places where I've had to be like, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. God, here is my mess. Here is my mess. And I thought I was cleaning it up, but you know, it's like watching a toddler clean up their paint mess, you know, and just gets worse. Like, like sometimes, like, all the parents are laughing because they're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, like they've gone flour all over the floor in the morning while you're still in bed. My nephews did this once. And you get up in the morning and I've tried to clean it up and you're just like, I've now got flour from one end of the kitchen to the other. Thank you. Thank you. Next hour, cleaning this up. But you know what? God doesn't come in and go, oh my goodness, look what you've done. He's just like, you know, we do that. But God comes in and He's just like, no problem, guys. I love you. It's fine. Don't worry about the mess. Let's just go down the hallway. We'll, we'll, we'll deal with that in a minute. But let me love you first. Let me love you first. We will clean it up. We will clean it up and you will help. You will help. <laughs> but before we get there, let me love you. Let me speak words of life to you. Let me tell you how much of a valued child you are. Let me just put some worth back into you because you've stripped yourself of it. Let me, let me say to you, don't worry about it, child. I've got you. I've got your future. You haven't damaged it. You've made a couple of odd decisions. <laughs> but I'm with you. I'm with you. And God can restore everything. I like, I just look at my life and I'm like, man, five years in and I'm just like, whew. If you told me this like 10 years ago, I would have just been like, I'm in, I'm all in, I'm all in. I'm coming, I'm sorry. If you told me where my life was, when I was 20, if you'd said at 30, this would have been my life, man, I would have changed my life a lot earlier. (laughs) But you know what? Nobody said it to me. Or they did and I wasn't listening, I don't know. But you know, like God had been knocking on my heart for a long time. And a long time I was like Pharaoh and I was like, mm, girl, I don't need that, no, no, thank you. For a long time I was just like, no, actually, I've got this. The magicians can do that too. The worldly people can do that too. There's counsellors that can fix that. I don't need to come here to be fixed. Yeah, you might not, but God is the, the one true perfecter of creation. So, as I get back to my notes, we might, we might think it's big, we might think it's small, but, but let's repent. So to repent is to just go back, go back to the highest viewpoint, go back to God's viewpoint, not the magician's viewpoint, go back to God's viewpoint. What does God say? So, as we are sitting here, and, and, and I don't know about you, but I have moments where I'm just in bed and I'm like begging God to change something. And then I'm like, oh, hold on, just do that tomorrow though. I don't want, I actually want to deal with it today. Let's not be begging God to change something in our lives and then be like, oh, hold on. No, there's too many people in this room for me to deal with this today. There's too many people that might see me. They might, they might know something about me or they might judge me. Who cares? Who cares? So as we stand to our feet, we're going to wait on the Lord.
We hope you enjoyed this message recorded at Equippers Church, Dunedin. We pray it blessed you. For more information, please visit equipperschurch.com.